Good morning, South Africa, France and UK, I think, are all good morning. And good afternoon to Australia and potentially Indonesia, who may or may not be afternoon. I don't know. Hello. It's so lovely to have you here. Welcome to our Small Business Big Leadership podcast, where we talk about all things leadership. Small businesses require big leadership to stand the test of time. And as usual, I have Krista Pretorius joining me today. Welcome, Krista. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, Odette. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Once again, it's a real privilege and an honor. Uh, I always enjoy the conversations. It's really thought-provoking and we're growing along the way as well. So thank you very much. Good day, everybody. Thank you for joining in today. I believe today is going to be a real uh, good topic for everybody. A lot to learn and some decisions to be made after the call. Mm, so we have a little bit of a, um, it's almost a slimy one today. And I, I say slimy, if you think about the slime that the kids play, my kids play with slime. It's terrible. It's like glue. If it gets wet, it gets really sticky and it gets all over. And if you add too much activate, it gets really hard. So I, I feel like today's topic is a lot like slime in that um, I asked Christo if we could have a conversation around AI automation and systemization and the impact on your teams, your labor, both pros and cons, and obviously the requirements um, for leaders to actually have a spine. So, Christo, tell me, what do you think about automation? Should we just automate and AI the living daylights out of our business? I mean, everyone else is doing it. Why shouldn't we do it? Yeah, it's a very good question, and I think it's a topic that's that's really um, at the forefront right now. It's almost similar to a couple of years ago when I got into you know cryptocurrency, and I realized that because everybody was scared about you know what is this new thing, and it was just somebody explained it this way: it's just the next and the natural transition of money. You know, we had you know checkbooks a couple many years ago, and then we had credit cards, and then we had internet and EFT payments, and you know, it just, it's a natural progression. I think when it comes to automation and AI, it's, it's simply that, you know, it's the next natural transition of where the world is going. It's absolutely the, the future and where the world is going. How we in, um, integrate that within our daily lives, I think that is important, you know, that is especially for, for business people. Um, I think that if, imagine that we never, we never move to the new, um, to the new motor vehicles, you know. Imagine we still had a horse and cart and we tried to navigate through 2023. Um, you know, I think it's a good analogy to use, you know, to look at it uh, that way. Imagine we still had landlines. No, thank tried. you. How would we ever have this conversation if we never embraced, you know, the technology? So I think yeah. um, as, a, as a standpoint, you know, starting, I think that is important to understand. But then secondly, you know, just, don't just automate and don't just use AI for the sake of using it. If you don't understand what it can do for you and your business, then it's probably going to become a white elephant and you're going to have all these gadgets sitting in the, in the store and you're not going to use it. So absolutely, it's, it's something that every company needs to look at. We need to move with the, with the times. And um, I believe it can be a great benefit towards your organization. So I think when it comes to automation, 
systemization and use of AI, I hear business owners saying two things. One, it's going to give me a competitive edge, which in some instances it can because you become more efficient, you become more effective, there's cost saving, those things happen. But the downside or the flip side of these things is that you potentially need less human bodies to get the work done. So how do you propose leaders in businesses, small businesses and entrepreneurs handle that? Yeah, well, you know, my my thinking behind it is that, yes, you, you're probably going to let go of one or two or maybe more staff members. But as your company grow, you're then going to employ more people because you're going to need them, obviously, to take care of certain areas and certain aspects. So I do think there's, a, there's almost like a win-win. Mm. Uh, we spoke earlier about, you know, somebody that needs to, to automate and, you know, they're going to probably lose a couple of staff members. But those staff members are, you know, really toxic currently to, to the organization or they're not really, you know, um, pulling their weight. The question that we need to ask is, you know, what's the downside if we don't make that decision and if we don't automate mm-hmm. You know, you're going to continue with a, a bad culture. And then again, you know, people that are not pulling their weight, they know they're not pulling their weight. Everybody else knows they're not pulling their weight. So they're not really a benefit to the organization in, in that regard, in any case. Mm. And so making that decision, yes, in the interim, you might lose some people. But I, I do believe at the end of the day, we're still going to need humans. We're not going to, well, it depends what industry you're in. There's certain industries that, that can absolutely survive with, you know, just having, you know, systems and maybe one or two staff members. But but I think the majority of the people, I don't know about you, um, I still want to speak to a human. I still want to go to the shops and I want to see somebody. I think COVID has showed us that we all need human interaction. We, we can't get away from that. And maybe that's something that people are, are really scared of. Like we've seen these movies where the robots take over and, you know, they, they come and they destroy us. You know, if that's ever going to happen, I think it's still, <laughs> it's still way, way, way in the future. We, we, we're going to need humans, um, absolutely. And as your organization grows, there are certain components within your business that you can't not have a human being um, being involved in those areas. So I hope it answers the question. So I think um, I think it's a it's a twofold situation exactly like you said if if you have generally most small businesses have not focused too much on building culture they've focused on delivering products or services and in the process of delivering products or services sometimes we let things slide and we let people slide which then create what I call a shadow culture which becomes your toxic culture it's uh, like I said to you earlier, it's like that person walking into the building and it's a, they are just a roaring thundercloud. They walk around thundering and it's miserable and it's dark and it's cold. It's just no fun being around them. The problem with that is that the people who actually do contribute in a positive way to the culture and to the environment and your organization then start feeling icky about it. They're like, I hate going to work. And the minute you hate going to work, is the minute that you stop doing your best. That's just the reality yep. because everything becomes a slog. So I have a I have a motto of higher, slow, fire, fast. Um, and the reason I have that motto is because the wrong person in your organization can 
forever change the traje trajectory of your organization. That's the reality. I can teach you how to fulfill a process. I can teach you a skill. I cannot teach you a poor attitude into a good attitude. You either have a good attitude or you don't. And a poor or a bad attitude or a um, negative characteristics of a person immediately affects the good people around it. So if you remove that person out of the equation, suddenly performance goes up, staff morale goes up, everyone feels better about their environments, and suddenly it's, it's cool to come to work again. Richard Branson says, happy employees equals happy customers. Now, I don't believe that's always the case, but for the most part, there is definitely data that proves that that's yeah. the case, right? Um, the second part is automation, like you said, when you automate, you're able to do more in your business with less resources, which then as the business owner or as the entrepreneur or the leader means that you need to go hunt for more business. Yeah. You free up the space. So if it's that you have to get rid of poor toxic people, please do so sooner rather than later. However, if you don't have toxic people and you've now got people sitting idle hands or the automation and AI is going to create space in your business where they potentially could be sitting idle hands, it means that you need to feed in more business into your organization. I think one of the positives is that AI and automation and systemization removes the tedious tasks that people actually don't enjoy doing. We actually yeah. like, like you said, most people, not everyone, but most people enjoy de dealing with something that matters dealing with things that have a greater impact. And when you have a greater impact, when your team is freed up of the admin, then they can focus on the customer experience, which is really what's important. Because yeah. instead of someone sitting head down, nose down, typing the whole time, they can look up and say, oh, good morning. How are you? Because the AI is doing the stuff in the background. Suddenly you've got an engaged person engaging with an engaged customer who loves what you do because actually this person is paying attention to me. So um, one, of the, one of the other questions or, or thoughts I have on this particular topic is there, there's a twofold part to toxic culture. There is the person has a poor attitude and then there's leaders who are afraid to openly hold people accountable. Um, and what I mean by that is when people are not performing like they should, and one of two things happens, the leader glosses over it and just pretends it's not there, sort of the ostrich syndrome, or they secretively, because they feel that privacy is important, only deal with this person in a room, in a meeting room quietly about, oh, you need to do better. But the rest of the team is not aware that this process is taking place. What is yeah. the impact of that? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it just kind of once again, break down that that team culture. You know, the, here is something that I've seen so many times in, in multiple organizations, in, in multiple settings is, it's almost like bad behavior gets promoted. You know, it's, it's the... It, it's it's a I don't know it's a culture in, in in society where you know the leaders are not making those tough decisions you know and like I said I've seen this over multiple multiple industries speaking to to people in different sectors you know the people that are working the hardest and that are pulling their weight um, they they always complain about this behavior 
where there are these people that are not being held accountable. There are people that are not pulling their weight. And yet it just seems like everybody just allows it. And I think the reason they allow it is because there are in the organization certain people that are doing more than what is expected of them. And they're really, really carrying the organization. And because everything is just running, you know, we don't address those things. Um, when you don't address, you know, bad behavior, you know, it definitely spills over onto those good employees or those employees that are pulling their weight. And it brings a sense of, of negativity into their lives. And they're simply doing what is expected of them. They, they're not going to pull their weight like they used to. Um, you know, I don't want to just speak about culture all day, but it does bring in that into play is that it, it creates that bad culture. Leaders have to address those things. I'm a, I'm a firm believer of, you know, not addressing all of these things, you know, on a public forum. You know, it's like you, you praise, you know, publicly, but you correct privately. However, if there are those decisions that's need, that needs to be made as the leader, you have to stand up and make those decisions. Dr. Sam Chan's got a very nice example. I know we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. He says, it's like if you have to cut the head off a chicken, he says, um, you're not going to take a butter knife. You know, you're going you're gonna to take a, a sharp knife and you're just going to cut it. Otherwise, it's going to be blood all over the place. It's going to be feathers. It's going to be, a, I mean, just imagine you're trying to, you know, cut something with a, with a dull knife. And, and that's sometimes what happens within organizations is they tiptoe around the problem. They never address the problem. And that problem becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until it, it's so big where, you know, you're going to lose a lot of employees and you're going to maybe lose customers. So absolutely, leaders has to make those tough decisions. Um, you know, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. It's like, welcome to leadership. <laughs> you know, that's why you're the leader. You have to make those tough decisions. And the truth of the matter is, so debt in an organization, let's say there's 15, 100 people, 50, 50 to 100 people in an organization, and there's three or four people that are not pulling their weight. Everybody in the organization know who those three people are. Yes. They know who they are, you yes. know, so it, it's obvious and, you know, just make that decision. Um, I think that is, that is crucial. Mm. So you said something, something interesting, and I, I, I want to dig into it just a little bit. Um, you said praise in public, but correct in private. And I agree and propose that we still hold people accountable publicly. And the way, obviously, the way in which you do it is not to say, hey, you didn't do your job or whatever. But when it comes to people working together cohesively to pull the push the rock up the mountain, we need to all know that we're pulling our weight. And yeah. one of the ways we are able to do that without it becoming a mudslinging thing is by creating goals that are strategically aligned in your organization and allowing your team to then distill those goals into tasks and activities collectively. So when you take your team on the journey about how are we going to achieve these goals for the next quarter, the next six months, or for the next year, then everyone knows Odette has agreed to take on these goals, and she's proposing these actions. So yeah. when we get together to evaluate performance and not – evaluate personal performance as in we are not going to talk about your salary but to evaluate how far we are and obviously i recommend that those are done at least weekly but whatever frequency you choose 
um, you will do a speed check to check in to see is Odette on track? Is Krista on track? Yeah. Collectively, we know that we need to deliver on these goals and we know what we've agreed that we needed to do. But if I, for example, have been faffing around and you're in that same huddle, I call them huddles of speed checks, you're in that same speed check session as me. And if my leader does not say, Odette, you agreed to do X, Y, and Z to achieve this goal by the end of this week, it hasn't been done. What's yeah. going on? Then you think that I get away with murder, even though my leader has already spoken to me, like in the office, we've, we've already had a conversation. I already know I'm in trouble or I haven't done what I was supposed to do. And I've given whatever my reasons were, but you're, you're going to stand there and go, hmm, so she doesn't have to deliver on her goals. I, I hear you. I hear you. Let me, let me maybe just rephrase when I say, you know, um, you know, praise in public, correct in private, you know, that, that public is, you know, where the customers are involved. You know, that's how I would, I would say it as, as public. You know, where private is, is absolutely, it's within the, the, the company setting, you know, whether it's those, those meetings, whether it's a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, absolutely, I'm not saying that, you know, if we have a team meeting, you know, and somebody's not doing what they, what they do, is we, we leave the correction for a private setting. Um, not at all. You know, uh, we spoke about Disney U. Um, how they have this mindset of off stage and on stage mm -hmm. and off stage is behind the scenes. It's like where the public doesn't see you on stage is, is everything that, you know, the guests that Disney world sees. And it's almost those things that, you know, the public is wherever there's a customer involved. And I think I did share with you a couple of weeks ago about this one um, furniture company that, that I used to go to where, they completely took the staff to pieces right in front of me. And I'm like, I mean, I'm walking in there, I'm a customer, I'm looking for, for some products. And all these executives are just laying into one of the people working on the floor. For me, that is a terrible culture mm. where you're not correcting people publicly. Um, yes. The customer should not see that, you know. And, and, what, and maybe it's a good discussion to have because the only reason that I could think that maybe there's two reasons why this executive team would have done it and when i say executive team i mean these were like top top executives of that firm is that first of all like it's your own insecurities that you are that you are struggling with and that's just the type of person that you are secondly is like they want to show me the customer that they really take care um, of you know excellence within the company and for me that's the furthest thing from the truth the fact that you as an executive can take out one of your employees right in front of a customer, um, for me, doesn't show good culture. culture. That, for me, that's not leadership. Um, and if, 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 if that makes sense, then, you know, that's maybe the way I wanted to frame it a little bit better. Um, I'm just not a believer of, of doing that in front of, of clients um, at all. You know, that, that for me is bad leadership. Yes. I agree. I totally agree. Because so we are no longer in the 1980s. And I say that with the utmost respect from the, for the 1980s. I was, I was from that era, was there. Yeah. But, but we're no longer in that space. In those times, it was okay for people to show up in an authoritarian kind of way. Yeah. It was okay to be arrogant and boastful. Those things were okay in those times, but times have changed and customers have now become global customers. We've spoken about this a little bit yeah. before. 
I, you can buy your furniture from anywhere in the world. You don't have to buy it from that organization. The reason we support local businesses is because we support the person, not the business. Because that furniture, that particular style, is probably available somewhere else. And chances are you can probably get it from China for cheaper. Quality will probably not be the same. But I'm pretty sure there are some Chinese websites where you can just import it. It's going to cost you half the price. And it'll still look the same. may not last as long, but it gets the job done. So now that, that customers can shop globally, they're looking for purpose. And if an organization treats people that way publicly, yeah. then that person doesn't go back. So you shared with me that you actually won't go back to that store again because that's just not acceptable. They've right. got a great product. Their prices are reasonable for the product quality. The reason you no longer shop there is because of a behavior or a characteristically displayed in their culture. And you're going, oh, no, that doesn't resonate with me. I'm going somewhere else. Yep. Isn't it fascinating that customers are looking with a different lens? Absolutely. So let's, let's take this into the conversation of automation or AI. So let's say that, you know, I'm not the only person. And listen, I'm not buying... <laughs> hundreds of thousands of rand worth of furniture um, every day from, from those particular shops that's going to close their business. I mean, I might not, they might not even feel the fact that I've left. But let's say there's a couple of people that feel the same way, had a similar experience, and they start leaving. It's easy for those execs to like, be like, hey, listen, business is down. You know, we need to automate. Hey, we need to get AI. Everybody's on that trend. For me, it will not work for that company if they purely want to do it for that for that reason, because there's still a bad culture. There's a bad behavior. You know, the problem is not the staff. The problem is not, you know, getting an automated system in there. The problem starts with you respecting the people that are working for you. It, it starts with you having proper values. AI is not going to fix that. And, and I think, Odette, a lot of people think that AI is going to solve their sorry for the word, laziness. <laughs> it's going to sort out their inability to execute. AI is not going to do that. If you don't prompt it to do anything, it's not going to do anything for you. No. Um, and if, if you look at, um, if you look at, at, at social media, although AI has the ability now to enable you to push out so much more content, yet people still are not doing it. Why? Because you as the individual still need to develop a skill to understand, okay, but how does this automated system actually works? What is the benefit that it can produce for my, for my organization? And in a lot of instances, you have actually have to put in physical more work in the beginning to get everything set up correctly before that system is going to work for you. You know, a system is only as good as the data, the information that you put into it. Um, somebody told me this years ago, Garbage in, garbage out. If you don't put the proper data into the system, you're just going to get, you know, terrible analytics. So, you know, it's not just the thing of where automation is going to be. This thing is going to think on your behalf. I think we, if people think that, you know, you, you're missing the ball completely. And automation, AI systems is not going to work for you because you're not willing to work it. Mm, absolutely. So actually what it then boils, what you're saying is that, you require a different set of skills to make it work for you. And it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like what we said in one of our previous podcasts about slowing down to speed up. 
Yeah. It is going to slow down your team significantly. If you think about the, you said it yourself, garbage in, garbage out. When you use ChatGPT or any other chatbot um, for that matter, um, it speeds up the process only once you've clearly identified or given it a task. It's yeah. like um, when, we, when we did uh, programming at school, you had to be very clear in your programming instructions about what you want the program to do. So the AI is no different. It is still a program that now has access to a lot more information. But if you don't give it the right instructions, you will not get the result you want. It's the same as with your kids. When I, when I did um, process optimization programs, I did training programs many, 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 many years ago. And one of the things we did to show people the impact of instructions is we told them to make some toast, right? Okay. <laughs> it's very simple, but please go make me some toast versus get the toast, get the bread from the pantry, plug in the toaster, get the plate ready, get the butter ready, get a butter knife, put the toast in the toaster, wait for it to pop up, take the toast from the toaster to the plate butter the bread, take it to the, to the customer. Sure. Those, if you get those steps wrong, your toast is going to be terrible. Yep. It is, right? If I tell you to butter the, the bread before you put it in the toaster, is that going to work? I think potentially you might short your electricity. <laughs> work, right? And it's the same with AI. If I don't give it the right instructions, it gives me a lot of garbage. So we do have to slow down as organizations. Now, that also incidentally means that you don't get to sit and say, well, I did my degree 50 years ago, so I'm good. No, <laughs> you're not. Part of being a leader and making tough decisions includes continuously growing. That's right. That's right. I like the way that you've um, laid that out. You know, it's... Um... It, it gives a lot of perspective, you know, to that. And, you know, maybe just encouraging people out there, you know, before you just jump into, you know, firing people <laughs> because AI is going to solve all your problems for you, you know, just maybe, you know, do those checks and, you know, have a look at exactly what it's going to take um, for you to, to implement this. Because I tell you, you don't want to sit in a situation where you fire valuable assets and people that have been loyal and faithful to the organization and that understands, you know, how business work. And, you know, data, listen, the, the, the truth of the matter is AI is, is here. It's the future. A lot of things. And when I say it's the future, it's, it's part of the future. You know, we have to adapt. It's important. You know, I think it's Charles Darwin that said it's not the strongest of the species that survive, but those that are more adaptable to change that will survive. And mm -hmm. so we need to, we need to be adaptable, you know, to change things are changing. And yes, things are changing very, very rapidly on the landscape. But the worst thing that you can do is just jump into something that you've got no idea what it's going to do for you. Um, because employees and people, they have something that's valuable that an, an AI system at this stage can't do. They can't think like you. They, if they don't have the, the inherent understanding of a customer and how your company operates, that is still key and valuable. And then for people out there is if you're maybe thinking like, hey, my job is going to be replaced by a robot. 
what is the thing that that company can't live without that you can offer? Because I promise you, it is there. There is a human aspect that we still need in society, and we will forever need that human aspect in society. And if you can just bring that value to the forefront, maybe strengthening your skill, maybe sharpening your skill, like you said, Odette, maybe just you've done the courses years ago, maybe just, you know, do, do some, some upskilling in those areas. You can remain relevant. Absolutely, you can remain relevant. I, I spoke to a business person uh, maybe a month ago that they, they're in the agricultural space. And so they are developing, you know, robots or, you know, these tractors that, that works with, with AI. First of all, it's, it's, it's so much lighter than a normal tractor. Um, so it, it helps the farmers not to compact the ground when those tractors are, are driving over it. So it's, it's, it's phenomenal technology. And it's replacing at some farms close to three, 400 workers. Wow. And so when I, when I spoke to this business owner, I said to him, that's terrible. I mean, think about all those people that are lo losing their, their jobs. And, you know, the, the response was simply, well, first of all, the reason the farmers are going that route is because it is, it is more sufficient um, with, within their industry. You know, mm -hmm. secondly, it's a, it's a better product because it, um, it doesn't compact the ground. And thirdly, it says that, you know, they don't have to fight with, with unions the whole time. And obviously in South Africa, you know, there's, there's a big fight with, with the unions and the workers and, you know, the companies. And he said this, is that if, if those people were just willing to work, and, and not have problems and issues. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of theft on the farms and there's a lot of strikes and all these type of things. If you look at it from a business owner perspective, in order to still provide a product to market, it just makes sense to move into this new technology and industry. But the, the, the question that I wanted to ask is that imagine, you know, you just paid your part. Imagine that you, will, you were not that employee that had the problems the whole time. The owner would not look for an AI solution. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that my clients and the people that I work with can't replace me and get an AI solution. Why? I'm going to give them that human aspect that they can't get anywhere else. Um, yeah. I think that is, that is maybe just, you know, almost in closing, what is important for us to understand. It's coming. It's already here. It's the next transition that we need to move into. So adapt as a business owner. Look at the things that you need within your company to streamline and to, to get productivity out there. But also as, a, as an employee, employee, understand that you still have value to add. You can still um, add tremendous value within your organization. You just have to find the skill set, develop them, and see how you can use it to your benefit. I love that. Awesome. I agree. So I, I, I have another thought, though, on the, I, automation, I, the, the, the farming industry. Yes. And the reality is that those new tractors make it more efficient and cost effective, which means the profit margins increase for the farmer, which means if you were a decent individual worth your salt, pulling your weight, chances are the farmer would say, I'm increasing your wage because yeah. you have to learn a new skill and you, you contribute positively to our, to our purpose, which is providing food resources to the country. 
and therefore I'm willing to pay you more. You're pulling your weight more. You show up. You do your part. That's the reality when you're working with people. Absolutely. I do, I do agree with you. Um, there is always a flip side of the coin. Business owners need to understand what they're getting into. Um, but they also, uh, employees also need to understand it's not necessarily something to worry about. And if you're worried about it, it's probably because there is a reason you're not. No, definitely. So you know, and if we just look back, I mean, let's stay with the farming um, analogy is that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's still farmers out there that uses a, a donkey or a horse and, and a plow, you know, to, to plow their field. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's people somewhere in the world that's still, that's still using that technology. You know, but, you know, they may be not mass producers, you know, they're just farming for them and their family. And so there came a time in their life where, you know, the tractor came in and replaced some farm workers. And, and now the technology is obviously at that stage where, you know, more and more people are being replaced. Um, and so I suppose, you know, once again, as a leader, and that's the tough decisions that, that we have to make is you need to see, okay, what's best for the organization? Because at the end of the day, if your company is no longer in business, you cannot even pay <laughs> the people that AR can't replace. So, so this would probably be like my stances, you know, understand the technology, you know, be aware of it, you know, use it where you can, what's best for the company, but, but have, have the humans and have a, a, a human heart, if, if that makes sense, you know. I don't think that, you know, you go into business and you don't want to work with people at all. If that's, who you are, then, you know, you're going to be in an industry that doesn't need that. So maybe people are just scared of, 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 of the new. Um, it's not as bad as people say it is that, you know, it's going to replace everything, but it's definitely a great tool that you can have within your, your business arsenal. If you don't have a website yet, then maybe you need to realize that <laughs> the internet is a real thing, you know, and it's not so bad. <laughs> Um, I remember my mom many years ago, she, uh, she had a crash, um, or I'm not sure what you call it around the world, but on South Africa, it's a, a crash. She looked after kids before they went to school. And um, she said to me the one day, yes, this Facebook thing is so bad, you know, because she's hearing all these stories about people that are getting divorced and, you know, they're having affairs because they meet people on Facebook and it's terrible. And I said to your mom, you know, I've heard of so many people with great stories about how they connected with people or, you know, how, you know, their, their business grew because of, of Facebook. And I said, mom, it's not, it's not the platform. That's the problem. You know, it's how people are using it, you know, yes. that's the problem. And it's exactly the same with, with AI, with systems, with automation, that in itself is not the problem is how we're going to use it and how we're going to apply it to our lives that will determine whether we use it for the good or for the bad. I'm sure there's people that's going to use it for, for negative things. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's human nature. It's how things work. Mm -hmm. So, so let's embrace it. I think that is a, a good mindset you have as a company and a business owner. Embrace it. Absolutely. Well, that was a riveting conversation. Thank you so much for your insights as always interesting stories, interesting perspectives it's always valuable to have you on the show. Um, we know that your baby is coming next week. So those of you who didn't know, they are having a baby next week. So if you are on their social media, go and say hello, say congratulations. Um, I do have a say hello on our social media. You'll see at the bottom of the screen, you can follow Amplify Coach and Chris Corp. Um, go and give them a follow. 
And we will speak to you next time. Thank you very much.